At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on VSIN, the sports betting network. Oh, it is hour number three, Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe, alongside Amal Shah, coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. And we are just rolling along here from the VEASAN studios. We got Amal sweating games out. Butler just came home for him. So one leg of his parlay, he's got that tied to Duke as well. And the Duke Blue Devils right now lead it by nine against Louisville with 40 seconds to go. So Amal looking pretty good right now in the early slate of college hoops. He's also kicking my butt here at the Breslin Center. Michigan State up by 15, now uh, 12 after Michigan just knocked down a three here with about 9.52 to go. But like they say, a lot of ball game left, and we're rooting for the Spartans to win by four so that we can both win. Aren't we, Amal? Yeah, actually, you're right. We do win, but the problem is, I was wondering why you said that earlier. I actually have a three, but the number I gave out on here was four because that was what the current price was. But um, Michigan State will get a bucket here, and they'll be up by 14. So uh, I like the Spartans team to continue to roll. We have college basketball going on on all the screens here in the studio. We're going to keep our eyes on that. But we wanted to reset the table for a conference championship Sunday coming up tomorrow. AFC title game between the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. NFC title game between the San Francisco 49ers and the LA Rams. And I want to start with the AFC game here, Amal. The Chiefs are seven and a half point favorites, total of 54 and a half. Now, Andy, you, you I didn't know it went to seven and a half. Yeah, seven and a half at BetMGM. Okay, okay. At BetMGM, yeah. There's other places, there's sevens that are juiced towards the favorite. But uh, at BetMGM, seven and a half even money if you want Kansas City. If you want that hook with the Bengals, you got to pay minus 120. But. Andy Reid was t- asked about this earlier in the week, just about the emotional victories of last weekend, the divisional round, one of the best divisional rounds, probably the best ever in NFL history, capped off with that Bills-Chiefs thriller, 42-36 in overtime. And just the emotion of having to now rev it back up another week with the stakes even higher. Here's what Reid had to say on his team, having to get the gears racked ra- ra- back up again as they take on the Bengals tomorrow afternoon. It was a crazy weekend in the NFL. I mean, you had three three walk-offs or whatever it was, uh, field goals and that. So uh, it seems like everybody experienced it that's playing this this week, you know, of some sort. Um, but I listen. It doesn't. It surely doesn't hurt you uh, to have something like that. It, uh, I think our guys are confident uh, that that they can play and and do well. I'm not saying that, but um, it doesn't hurt that that part of it. Um, and it probably doesn't, doesn't take it up another 10 notches or so. 
Yeah, they're going to have to take it up some 10 notches here as they take on this Cincinnati Bengals team. Amal, I know you're all smiles. Duke just came home for you. So your Duke-Butler parlay is cash money. But you want to say something real quick? No, that's, why I'm not, that's not why I'm laughing. I'm laughing because they gave two points to TCU when it should have gone to LSU. When I said he was going to be 69-66, they gave the two points to TCU, and they haven't changed it back. But they did. They, LSU, they also credited with a bucket. So shenanigans going on <laughs> in this, Fort Worth. <laughs> at least on the ESPN scoreboard there is. Hopefully they got it right in the arena there at Amon Carter. Let's, let's hope so. But was there anything that you thought was interesting from talking to the guests? We talked to Richard Skinner yeah. of Local 12 Cincinnati. We talked to Aaron Ladd, KSHB 41 in Kansas City. And both guys said that they liked Kansas City to cover the number there. But they both thought that these were going to be higher scoring games. Kind of pairing along with what Andy Reid just had to say of the focus and having to get the energy back up after emotional wins I don't know if I think I think this is gonna be a high scoring game because all four teams who are at this point all are coming off such just draining victories that you can almost see a little bit of a just a kind of a sluggish start to championship Sunday at least that's from my vantage point yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But I think if you're Cincinnati, you got to play a slower-tempo game. That's mm-hmm. your best chance. Limit the possessions against this team. So we'll see how that plays out. And I think that's what both of our guests also yeah. said as well. Like Richard Skinner said, the thing that they did well in the second half was limit Patrick Mahomes in that explosive offense. And then we asked Aaron Ladd about it as well. He said that the Chiefs just didn't get the ball enough in the second half of that Week 17 game. Chiefs had 28 points at halftime, and they ended the game with 31. You do the math there. That's not a typical Kansas City Chiefs type of offensive performance. In the other game, the NFC title game, the 49ers taking on the L.A. Rams. The Niners have just been dominant against this team, winners of six straight. Head uh, straight up, I should say. There, Kyle Shanahan owning Sean McVay is kind of the narrative for these games here. But Aaron Donald was asked about kind of bouncing back against this Rams team. They lost as three and a half point favorites in San Francisco, thirty-one to ten. Then they lost Week 18, 27-24 in overtime. Here's what Donald, who's probably the best player in football, had to say about having to regroup after six straight losses to San Francisco. They just won, you know, but the pass is the pass, honestly. Um, so this this is a different type of football here that's going on, you know, this week. You know, this is this is one game away from the Super Bowl um, against an opponent that we both we used to. We know what to expect. We just got to play four quarters. We got to find a way to finish. So um, obviously, yeah, they, they beat us in ways. That, well, I'm not going to sit here and talk about it, but they did this week. Um, my mindset is there's no way we're going to lose this game. You know, we got to play four quarters. We got to find a way to finish. I'll tell you what, that's the last guy I think I'd want to make angry is Aaron Donald. He is a bad man on the field, probably <laughs> the best player in all of football. But I wanted to ask you this about this Rams team because it, it kind of came up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that this is a good team to almost bet against in-game. Because against the Buccaneers, we saw them get up on that lead, 27-3, to I believe it was. And you knew that they were not going to be able to run the football to kind of close the game out. McVay tends to get conservative in the second half once he's up by multiple possessions. And the Buccaneers got back into the football game. And we even saw week 18 when the Rams were up 17-3 to at halftime against the 49ers. They were up two touchdowns from eliminating the Niners from the playoffs. Niners wouldn't even be here. Right. And they couldn't run the football, and the 49ers got back into the game. Is this almost like a glaring live betting opportunity that if the 
Rams are able to get up once again uh, tomorrow afternoon is it just hammer San Francisco because they're going to be able to get back into this game. Well, you would think so, but depending on, again, what the number is, the one advantage with the live is you get a many times better numbers than what you would have originally gotten from, depending on your perspective. If you like the Rams, it could be a worse number if they have an early lead. If you like mm-hmm. the 49ers, you could be catching a better number. So it's all dependent upon which side you like in terms of how you adjust the numbers. You know, perfect example last week with the Kansas City game. I had the Chiefs on the money line. And then in-game, when the Chiefs went up nine, Buffalo was plus 340. So I took Buffalo plus 340 because I thought there was still a great possibility they could win this football game. Now, I'm not sweating the rest of this game. And obviously, it was a great finish. I was happy that Kansas City won because it was financially better for me. But... I mean, to me, if you're not doing that, what is the point in opening yourself up to risks that are unnecessary? So many of these games, you know, we talked about this TCU game. Now they're going to end up winning by nine. Mm -hmm. But it was a scenario where they were up by 14. It looked like they were going to run away. These games never necessarily are just complete blowouts where you just win in a landslide. Why why put yourself at risk? Yeah, and I I just think that there's certain points that you can point to, Mm -hmm. especially with how teams play. And given Sean McVay and how he's called games in the second half, it's been a a talking point for this Rams team, how they're not be able to put these things together. And we saw it in the Week 18 game. We saw it last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that they should have probably won in a blowout. That The fact that the 49ers also have a really good run defense and they have a really good rush uh, pass rushing uh, pass defense as well in terms of getting after the quarterback. But I think there's going to be opportunities for the 49ers to get back into the game if they were to get down. And almost conversely, I don't know if there will be opportunities for the Rams to get back into the game if they get down early. Just because of that 49ers pass rush and if the 40, if the Rams have to throw, 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 you're giving more opportunities for Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, all those guys to kind of get after Matthew Stafford, which is probably a losing proposition for L.A. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, if you're not well-versed with in-game, familiarize yourself with it. There's some great opportunities throughout betting in-game. And I, I think that's something to pay attention to in this matchup and, of course, the Cincinnati game as well. Yeah, the in-game action, is, which is probably the sh- smart way to go about betting these games, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people are going to make pre-flop bets. I have a pre-flop bet on the AFC game. But I think the best way, if you want the best value, is to probably go in-game for these NFC championship and AFC championship games in the NFL. we got a couple of minutes here. we got a game that just tipped off in college hoops. Oklahoma taking on Auburn. The Auburn Tigers, number one team in the country right now. They lead it 4-3 to three against Oklahoma very early on in that game. Also, Arkansas on West Virginia as we get into this Big 12 SEC slate. But anything for you in this 11 o'clock window as we've entered another window for college hoops? No, but I'll tell you, I'm going to be watching a game that's going to be a bludgeoning, which is between Arizona and Arizona State. I love this U of A team. I think they're so good. Something to pay attention to. Um, you know, this one's interesting. Uh, West Virginia and uh, Arkansas, this West Virginia team just struggles to score the basketball. We'll see how they yeah. perform there. And then Auburn taking on Oklahoma. I hate the fact that these matchups are made so early in the season because the reality is this should be Auburn playing Baylor. That would be a terrific matchup. That would you know, be really Auburn good. playing Kansas. Um, that would probably be a better matchup. So we'll, we'll see what happens here. I think. You know, you got to hold serve. TCU held serve in the first game for the Big 12. Now you got two SEC teams at home. I expect Auburn to be able to win this basketball game, and I think Arkansas should win as well. But they've been a little bit inconsistent this year. We have Xavier and Creighton also about to tip off as well. Um, I'm on the over in that game between Xavier and Creighton. Got over 137 and a half. We'll see if we can get some points out there. Um, that's what we're hoping for, at least, Amal. Any, any other plays that you have or any other uh, things yeah. that you're eyeing later on in the slate? Uh, Florida State, 3 o'clock Eastern, two, uh, 12 o'clock on the West Coast. 
FSU about a two and a half point favorite and potentially has gone to three in some spots at home against Virginia Tech. This Virginia Tech team has struggled. Uh, the Seminoles at home, different team. And I think that you'll see that today against uh, Virginia Tech at home. Yeah, they knocked off the Duke Blue Devils at home. So that goes to show kind of how that Florida State team, which is probably the biggest basketball team on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, like NBA, college basketball doesn't matter. It doesn't, no, it doesn't. A couple of years ago, they actually had the biggest team per uh, height average, including the NBA. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they Leonard Hamilton knows how to recruit them, and they are a team you don't want to play come tournament time because you rarely see a college basketball team with a seven-footer and a six-ten guy on the court at the same time. But the Seminoles present those challenges. I'm sweating out with the Mall, Michigan, Michigan State right now, but it looks like a Mall is going to get the last laugh in this one as Sparty leads at 14 as we are under eight minutes to go in the second half of that game. We'll discuss more college hoops on the other side with our next guest, Aaron Torres of Fox Sports, college basketball writer. He will join the show. It is betting across. America presented by BetMGM. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. prepare for the big game and we want to make sure VEASAN is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs and then on championship weekend we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to our 6th annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VEASAN.com It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Amal Shah is just celebrating in my face. His Sparties lead it by 16 against Michigan. He's on Michigan State minus three. I took Michigan plus four and a half, hoping the game lands four, but it does not appear that will be the case. But to help us get through all of college basketball slate today, he is Aaron Torres, Fox College basketball writer, joining us here on Betting Across America. Aaron, we appreciate you coming on the show here, and I want to start off with the national titles futures market. Which team that is being talked about as a potential title contender are you most skeptical of? Right now, Gonzaga the favorite at plus 550, followed by Baylor, Duke, Purdue, Auburn, Kansas, and Arizona, and UCLA, and Kentucky. But which of those teams are you a little cooler on than the market suggests? Well, first of all, guys, love coming out with you. Thank you for having me. Um, 
you know, it's interesting, and part of it is is we all do this, and I host radio, and we all want to get all of our predictions right. I, I liked Baylor coming into this year. I didn't love them, and they were so good early. And, and you know, I, I, I don't know if I was wrong. I don't know what the deal was, but, you know, I bring it up because – we started getting this narrative that they're better than last year, and it's like, uh, stop with they're, they're better than last year. And so, <laughs> to me, like, like seriously, they're, they're a really good team. Uh, James Akinjo has, you know, kind of seamlessly transitioned from Arizona to Baylor. Uh, but I, I don't know that this team, as it's currently constituted, can win the six games needed to win the national championship. So they're the ones that jump out to me. I also think it's kind of interesting to note that, a lot of those favorites that you mentioned are really going to enter this tournament without experience. I mean, it's easy to forget, but Arizona was on a postseason ban last year uh, and did not participate. Tommy Lloyd has never been a head coach in an NCAA tournament game. Now he's going to go in with one of the favorites. Uh, nobody on Duke has really played in the tournament. Nobody on Kentucky has really played in the tournament. I'm not saying that precludes all of those teams from winning it. What I am just saying is it is obviously a different deal, but to answer your question directly, Baylor's probably the one. I think they're really good. I think the program that Scott Drew built is unbelievable. Do I think they're going to win six more games in the tournament this year? I don't think they will. Aaron, uh, I want to go to the SEC for a minute here. Auburn, number one team in the country playing outstanding basketball. Probably going to win the league. They don't have a return trip to Rupp, but I believe Kentucky's going to win the SEC tournament, getting Ty Ty Washington back today against Kansas. I think Shibway and company are a tough out. I know they lost that game there, but injuries played a factor in that. We saw Wheeler get absolutely just knocked silly in that one. How do you see Kentucky and Auburn? And and just want to follow it up with this. I think KU's the better regular season team than Baylor. I think Baylor makes a deeper run in the tournament. I think Auburn's a better regular season team than Kentucky, but I think Kentucky makes a deeper run in the tournament. Uh, well, a ton there. Um, you know, first of all, with, with Kentucky, I think you're so right. And it's a weird chicken and the egg thing. First of all, I think it's worth noting, um, you know, not only did, did Severe Wheeler go out with injury, Ty Ty Washington go out with injury at Auburn, same exact thing happened at LSU as well. Yep. And so they essentially, you know, they've lost four games, but two of them were without basically a point guard for big chunks of the game. And so I am 100% with you on on Kentucky, and what I really think it does come down to is, and it's like the oldest cliche in the book, but it's guard play. And Kentucky has kind of two real point guards. Um, either one, we saw Ty Ty Washington take over, you know, set literally a Kentucky assist record when Severe Wheeler was out. Severe Wheeler, top 10 or top 5 nationally in assists per game. So a bunch of guys that can make plays. Um, and that's where it does concern me a little bit about Auburn in the bigger picture is they have so much low post presence with, with uh, Walker Kessler and Jabari, Jabari Smith, but I do just worry a little bit about those guys in a tournament setting. Again, the guards, are they good enough? So I agree with you on Kentucky. I, I, I don't know what to make of Kansas yet. And Kansas is one that was interesting. I was talking about on my podcast is it sounds weird because we're now almost into February, you know, a couple of days left in January. I still think Bill Self's trying to figure out what he has. You know, David McCormick, his, his big guy down low, was in the starting lineup, then removed, then he was back in the starting lineup on, on Monday against Texas Tech. Um, you know, you go uh, Remy Martin, the transfer from Arizona State, was injured. Now he's back. Is he a starter? Is he a sixth man? Dewan Harris kind of emerges. So, I, you know, Kansas, and again, it goes back to preseason bias. Kansas was my preseason pick to win the national championship, and I'm not 
selling on them by any stretch, but I, I just think as weird as it sounds, because Kansas is in the top ten, they're playing pretty good basketball, I still think there's another level for them to get to, because I don't think Bill Self has fully figured out what his pieces are, how they all fit together, what works, what doesn't. We're speaking with Aaron Torres, Fox Sports College basketball writer here. Aaron, let's stay on this Kansas and Kentucky game. You've kind of given us the broad general sense of what you think those teams are in terms of a ceiling, but Kansas right now four-and-a-half point favorites against the Wildcats. Total 152-and-a-half. As Amal mentioned earlier, it appears that Ty Ty Washington will at least attempt to play in this game. How do you see this one playing out, whether it be the side or the total? You know, first of all, that, that under, you know, I know giving out unders isn't the sexiest thing, but you know, Kentucky on the road, really, you know, they're, they're again, you guys brought up Oscar Sheboy early, really physical. They're a physical team. They defend probably better than they get credit for. And it's just, it's hard to score in an environment like that on the road, although they had success last week. So, so probably if I had to bet a side, it'd be the under. Um, you know, as far as the, the game, to, the, the game, you know, four and a half, I just, I, I don't know how anyone can feel comfortable on either side on that one, only because of, it wasn't just Ty Ty Washington. I mean, Jacob Toppin left with some injuries on, uh, well, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday night when they played Mississippi State. Oscar Shibway left and came back. And so, again, it goes back to this Kentucky thing where I, I, I do think that in the long run, maybe all these injuries are going to help them in the bigger picture, get, get some depth, get more guys some experience. But right now, you go into one of the toughest home court venues in college basketball on a Saturday night, um, you know, biggest game of the, the home stretch here for Kansas, at least until they play Baylor. I, I just don't know how you can feel comfortable betting Kentucky. Maybe that means that you lean Kansas, but even Kansas. I mean, look, they just played at, uh, at Fog Allen a few nights ago and struggled to put away a good Texas Tech team. So, to me, if, if I had to bet it, it's the under. But I know that, you know, I, I know what your guy's job is, is to give out winners. But sometimes in life, you just got to look at it and say, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable if I was sitting in that sports book or if I was sitting at, that, sitting at my house looking at my app. I don't know that I'd feel comfortable on either side. And when it comes to either side of, of Kentucky, Kansas, uh, Kansas being a four-and-a-half-point favorite, I don't know that I'd feel great about either side. Aaron, I completely agree on this matchup. I think it's so tough. You give KU the home court advantage being at the fog, in my opinion, second toughest place to play in college basketball. But I think Kentucky actually is Ooh, a better team. the toughest, Cameron? I'm sorry? I said, where's you said second toughest as if it's definitive. So what's number one, Cameron? Cameron, because, you know, Mike Krzyzewski's team, the opponent's already got seven team fouls before they get off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. I was just curious. I mean, KU's definitely in, the, definitely in the top couple. I just, I've never heard anyone so definitively say it's the, the second best. So, you know, the, the, the guys at the kennel and Gonzaga might disagree. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to Tucson later this week for the first time. They might disagree, but I don't, I don't disagree. It's hard, and, you know, you talk about a favorable home whistle. Uh, uh, there's nine other Big 12 schools that think that Kansas certainly gets the same. I Kansas, but I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just curious what, what your perspective was on that. I, I agree with you on the kennel, and, of course, Mikhail Center is tough to play. Let's talk about Arizona real quick. They didn't play particularly well. Kirk Carissa really struggled to shoot the basketball at Pauley Pavilion. thought the Bruins did a tremendous job in that game. Rematch coming up shortly at McHale. I like Arizona in that game. I said the most intriguing game of the regular season is going to be the Pac-12 championship here in Vegas at T-Mobile when UCLA plays Arizona in the rubber match. I'm assuming, obviously, Arizona wins at McHale. How do you see this Arizona team? I love Coloco's size. Tabellus on the boards is outstanding. And then Benedict Matherin, for people who haven't seen him play, he's going to be a stud at the next level. Love his athleticism and his playmaking skills. What do you like about this Arizona team or what don't you like about them? Yeah, well, I like a lot, and I think it's easy to, if, if 
Tuesday night when they played at Pauly was the first time people got a chance to watch him. You sit there and say, how good are they really? And who have they played? And They're really, really, really good. Um, and I, I think UCLA was the first team that really dictated physicality to them. Um, and once, once Arizona kind of got out of that rhythm, Arizona, of course, their new head coach is Tommy Lloyd, former Gonzaga assistant. So they kind of play that European space, ball movement, attack offense, and, and they just weren't ready for, I think, the physicality that came with UCLA. As you said, I think they'll be much more prepared when they play this weekend. And then in the bigger picture with Arizona, I really like them. I really do because, you know, at the end of the day, like I always say this is that the tournament, you have to be able to win so many different ways in the NCAA tournament, and I get all that. But there are certain teams that it's like at some point you're just going to have to play somebody and be able to put up 85 points in a win. You know, this was my concern with Virginia for so many years. I know Virginia won it in 2019, but I remember talking to coaches and it's like you can't expect to win six games in a row when you put up 60 points a game. And so I bring it up because Arizona offense is never the issue. Now, they're, they're going to face the team at some point. Can they get enough stops, all that stuff? But outside of that UCLA game, I thought it was I thought it was they just weren't ready for the physicality. They weren't ready for the real true road environment that Paulie provided. And I, I do think that... Hey, Aaron, we got to let you... Aaron, we're running out of time. Great information, buddy. We appreciate you coming on Betting Across America. Right, guys, he is you. Aaron Torres, Fox Sports College basketball writer. We're going to give our picks and clean up some of our college basketball thoughts on the other side. It is presented by... Bet MGM. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline, Over, Under, and Against the Spread Bets. Betting splits are another way. vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah. Amal, we've got Dave Ross joining us here in the next segment. I know you're really excited to get to Adesanya Whitaker. That's uh, coming up in a couple weeks here in the UFC. But Who, who is she? <laughs> who is she? <laughs> don't act like you don't know, Amal. <laughs> <laughs> to clean uh, I know it's a he, that's why I said that, but, you know, okay, go on. <laughs> to, to clean up our college basketball. I, I shouldn't have even made the joke. Now we're off the rails. To clean up our college basketball stuff right now, Michigan State is just cruising to a victory over Michigan, 79-62. to 62. So it's coming up gold for Amal. It's coming up bad for me. A minute 30 to left to play here as the Wolverines have just fallen flat in the second half. So are they paying the UFC fighters at least a livable wage instead of, you know, just the Bones Jones and the uh, Conor McGregor's? Or are they run a Nike style outfit over there? <laughs> I'm just asking a question. I don't follow it, so I'm asking serious questions. I mean, <laughs> you know, guys are putting their life on the line. I'd like them to be compensated enough to where you feel like, hey, if I get whacked, at least you know my family got something. You know what, Amal? We just actually got some just massive breaking news as you were making that joke here. I don't know if we're going to have a graphic up uh, by the end of the show or not, but Adam Schefter is reporting with Jeff Darlington of ESPN that Tom Brady is retiring from football after 22 seasons, according to multiple reports. Uh, Jason LaConfora started to report this yesterday, I believe it was, for CBS, talking about how people close to Tom Brady felt that he was nearing towards retirement and getting ready to make a formal announcement. Schefter now is reporting that Tom Brady, who we talked about earlier in this show, the greatest quarterback of all time, is going to retire from the NFL after 22 seasons, seven Super Bowls, and all your initial reaction to that news. Well, I don't think it comes that much of a surprise if you 
read some of the statements and comments and things surrounding it, uh, it was to be expected. So, you know, tremendous career. And, and I'll tell you the one thing that's tough is to go through that grind consistently to get ready for the season. You know, even if you on paper have a great team coming back, it's so hard for everyone to stay healthy. That's why repeating is so tough. That's why the run that the Kansas City Chiefs had of going to four consecutive uh, AFC championship games is incredibly impressive. Buffalo's four consecutive Super Bowls is one of the most impressive things, even though they didn't win. They unfortunately ran into the Cowboys twice. Um, it's been very impressive what they've been able to do. It's not easy to be able to sustain that success. Brady to come back to go through all of it. Um, you know, I like how he put his family first in looking at that situation because he mentioned that. And no surprise that at this point in time he's chosen to walk away. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to play more than two seasons. I was actually, I thought he might leave last year after winning the Super Bowl. It would have been a storybook ending, but it looked like he still felt that he had a lot of juice left in the tank. You mentioned the grind. Michael Lombardi talked about this with Patrick Maher earlier on our network on the Lombardi line, talking about how much that Tom goes into his off-seasons because he is 44 years old, and it's not like he can just show up in April, May and start to get ready for the season. He's got to do it like starting next week if he wanted to get ready. And after 22 years, he decided that ultimately I want to do the family life and Tip the cap to him. I mean, that is a heck of a career for a quarterback here. He's going to go down as the greatest of all time, arguably one of the greatest football players, pound for pound, of all time. But 22 seasons, two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 20 with the New England Patriots, seven Super Bowls, a number of MVPs, all pros, all sorts of accolades for Tom Brady. But now, as you spin it to the betting perspective here, Clearly, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not going to be among the favorites to win the Super Bowl next season. That's a safe assumption to make there, as this is going to have a lot of ramifications across the entire league here with Tom Brady stepping away from football. Yeah, I want to go back to the point you made that Lombardi said about the preparation. And, you know, if you have a job and you're working 50 weeks a year, you get two weeks vacation, it's fine, but you're working the 40 hours, what have you. Mm -hmm. The physical toll of getting ready, the diet every day, to go through the workouts, the preparation is so taxing. It might be only a couple hours a day, what have you. But to do that for, you know, Femi, it's not just about 20-plus years in the NFL. It's the four to five years he's at Michigan, high school football. To go through all of that, at some point in time, you know, it's like you, you want to get that change there. I'm looking at his football reference page, and this is just its stuff of legends looking at this win-loss record. A career win-loss record of 243-73. and 73. That is absurd. 84,000 passing yards, 624 touchdowns, only 203 interceptions. I mean, this guy, I don't know if we will ever see a resume compared to this. We talk about Patrick Mahomes, how excellent he's been so early into his career. And, and I'm sure at some point, maybe 50, 100 years down the line, somebody else will come along the way. But just that sort of resume in terms of winning and also production on the field, it's going to be hard to match it. Forget the winning, because I think that's going to be almost untouchable. Yeah. Right. But in terms of just overall the production, why I don't think those records will be broken is because the players make so much money nowadays. I don't think you'll see guys stick around for that long. You know, a lot of times people stick around for the money. And remember, if you look at Brady's career earnings, he is not going to be at the upper echelon of players because he took such less money for so many years in New England. So something to pay attention to just, you know, when you look at him historically. I'm looking at his playoff stats here 35 playoff victories only 12 losses seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady in the playoffs 13,000 passing yards a mall wow 86 
touchdowns compared to 39 interceptions here. Just an absolutely remarkable career, 30-11 and 11 in the postseason with the New England Patriots, 5-1 and one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I know a lot of people thought that he would – I think it was, people just assumed he was going to come back. There was some rumblings prior to the Rams game about this could be the last ride for Tom Brady. Yeah. But I think a lot of people kind of assume that, all right, he's going to run it back. He's played at an MVP caliber level. He's probably going to finish second in the MVP voting to Aaron Rodgers this year at the age of 44. That it's so remarkable that he's going to step away now because he has said on record in prior years that he doesn't want to be the guy that's a scrub on the field. Yeah. So maybe he feels that, hey, this was all I could give. And after 22 years, I'm just going to go ahead and just – Live my life. I thought there were some times that you did start to see some deterioration. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to happen, right? Father time is yeah. still undefeated. Yeah, 44 years yeah, old. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you look at Brady, he's going to end up making uh, about $292 million in his career. Obviously, an incredible amount of money. But what I'm mm -hmm. saying is when you look at some of these other quarterbacks, you know, Brady the last three years, 23, 28, and 29 in the last two years in Tampa, making 57, almost $58 million. But look at these years in New England where he took, you know, 12, 13, 19, 13, 14, 15, 15. Those were all crucial to Patriots' success because when you look at teams like Minnesota, 28 millions to Kirk Cousins, uh, the Dallas Cowboys with what they're paying Dak, mm -hmm. um, the Green Bay Packers to Aaron Rodgers, uh, these cap hits is what prevent teams like Seattle from having sustained success. You were able to do it when Russ was on a rookie contract. And so you got to give him a lot of credit, not only for his play, his performance, and longevity, but also the unselfishness of giving up money. And people say, well, my wife makes a lot of money. I get that. But here's the thing. I've never met anybody that's willing to give up $12 million. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot of money on the table. It is a lot of money. So... A lot of credit to Brady. I always sit there and say, Brady's probably 10 times better than I give him credit for because he went to Michigan. But, I mean, <laughs> think about the greatness, the durability, what he's yeah. been able to do. There's no denying it. And, by the way, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, nobody ever saw what, what came of him the, being this great. But I always point to one game that I never understood that scouts missed on him, the Alabama-Michigan Orange Bowl. Yeah, if you really watch it, I didn't understand how you didn't think this guy could play. And by the way, if you watch his whole career, he was relieving the Drew, uh, Drew Henson every time to bring them back. He had been doing this throughout his career at Michigan, so shouldn't come as that much of a surprise in terms of not necessarily being the greatest, obviously, as a surprise, but his ability to come from behind. Yeah, I mean, even the New England Patriots misevaluated him as well. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have waited to the sixth round if they knew I, what they had there. I've always said there should be a statue of Mo <laughs> Lewis outside of Foxborough. If Mo Lewis doesn't wreck Drew Bledsoe, we may not know what Tom Brady was or is. 15-time Pro Bowler, seven-time Super Bowl champion, three-time league MVP, five-time Super Bowl MVP. It's going to be hard to tough that uh, right there, surpassing Joe Montana, who I believe was three-time Super Bowl MVP. But he was a member of the All-2000s team, the All-2010s team, uh, AP Offensive Player of the Year in 2007, AP Comeback Player of the Year in 2009 when he came back from the ACL injury in 2008. But just an absolutely remarkable, remarkable career. And he's on the Mount Rushmore for the NFL. Like, you talk about the four people who are on the Mount Rushmore for the NFL. Tom Brady is one of those guys, as he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. As the reports and all the discussions about maybe being the last ride ended up being true here. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will move forward without Tom Brady, as it is reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN, alongside Jeff Darlington. Also, CBS's Jason Lockenfora, who should we, we should be getting credit to, yesterday was reporting this for CBS, saying that people close to Tom Brady ha is going to retire. Uh, so we'll expect, waiting on a formal announcement from Tom Brady and his camp, but multiple reports now from multiple outlets suggesting that this is indeed 
the end for Tom Brady. We're going to get Michael Lombardi on the other segment. I know I teased Dave Ross. We're actually going to pivot to Michael Lombardi. He was in that New England Patriots organization. He knows Tom Brady very well. We're going to hear his initial reactions on the other side. So make sure to stick around for that. But any final thoughts before we get to Lombardi in the next segment of Brady hanging him with the cleats after 22 years? Oh, you know, I just I think people will miss and myself included his competitiveness. I, I thought that's what made him so yep. great. You know, just like Jordan, similar situation. Yeah, no, I, I tweeted it uh, during the game against the Rams. I was like, I don't know how long we have to watch this guy, but just the absolute competitive greatness. That game against L.A., just getting hit play after play after play, yeah. but still firing from the pocket there. Truly, truly the greatest quarterback of all time. And we will hear Michael Lombardi's thoughts on it on the other side. Betting across America, the breaking news of the day. Tom Brady retiring after 22 years. It is BAA presented by BetMGM. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the last pro football playoff round before the big game. Simply place a $10 money line wager on either game. And if any team scores a touchdown, you win $200 in free bets. Regardless of your bets outcome, just use bonus code VSIN200. It'll help you earn some M-Life rewards points at any MGM resort. Once again, bonus code VSIN200. 21 years of age to older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Credit free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. It is the final segment of Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah here at the VEASAN Studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Typically, we'd bring in Dave Ross, who is, we're going to pass, pass the baton to at the top of the hour. But we got some breaking news out of the NFL over the last 10 minutes. We were discussing it in the previous segment. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady, after 22 seasons, will retire from the National Football League. This is according to Adam Schefter, Jeff Darlington at ESPN. CBS's Jason Lockenfora mentioned this yesterday that folks close to Tom Brady were saying he's looking like he's going to retire and issue a statement out in the coming days. So we wanted to bring in our guy, Mike. Michael Lombardi, he's been a front office executive in the NFL, host of Lombardi Line here at VEASAN, worked with Tom Brady in that New England Patriots organization. Michael, thank you for joining us here. You were on earlier today. We had to bring you on here for this big breaking news out of the NFL. Your initial reaction to Tom Brady hanging up the cleats after 22 illustrious seasons. 
Well, well, Femi and Amal, I think, uh, as I said on the Lombardi line earlier today, and I've been saying it all week, is for Brady to come back, he had to scale the mountain again. He had to go back to base camp and climb the 8,000 feet, which was going to be a total commitment. And it was going to be a total, a total life uh, change, not a change, but a continuation of his life. And I think when he went to Tampa, he signed a two-year contract. Yes, I know he got his contract extended, but that was for cap purposes not for playing purposes. So I think he went down there, and I don't know if he made a, a deal with his wife that it was only going to be two more years, but I do know that he wanted to spend more time with his family. She wanted to spend more time as him as a father, and I think that ultimately that's the decision because if he would have gone back, he needs to commit himself completely to the offseason. I think that was going to be hard. Michael, you know Tom extremely well. If you were to point to one of the, one or two attributes about him, what do you think made him stand out just so well? Because, you know, you go back to Michigan. Drew Henson overshadowed him. Drew Bledsoe, number one overall pick, is overshadowing him in uh, New England, obviously. And then he gets his opportunity. And I don't – forget the greatness that followed afterwards. But I thought the way he seized the opportunity in week five or six of that season, few players have ever done something like he did. And then, obviously, the rest is history. You know, it's funny you asked that, Amal. I've been writing a book about the Hall of Fame, and and I and I, one of the chapters I call it "What If." What if Brady wasn't drafted by the Patriots? You know, what if Brady uh, gone to another team? Do I think Brady would have been as dominant? Yeah, I think Brady would have won games because when you go back and study Brady's career from high school, you know, he was drafted by the Montreal Expos in the 18th round. He was a power hitting left left handed catcher. You know, he's a better athlete than I think we give him credit for, certainly because of the pitcher at the combine. But and then he went to Michigan. He's the team captain as a senior, you know, and, and he did some really good things at Michigan. However, that being said, he got ignored in the draft. He thought he was going to be a second or third round pick. In fact, he left his house in the second round crying because he was getting overlooked and doesn't get picked till the 199th pick in the draft. And he tells Robert Kraft after he picks him, this is going to be the greatest decision you've ever made. And he was right. And so I think it's his relentless approach to never feeling satisfied. It's his relentless approach to constantly have to prove to himself that he is the best. And you combine that with his ability to get better. I thought he was quicker this year. He threw the ball as well as he did any time with more accuracy. And it's just a continuation. And so for me, I've often said this, there's no mantles in Tom Brady's house because there's no place for a trophy. And I think that's been his whole life. We're speaking with Michael Lombardi, former NFL front office executive, host of the Lombardi line here on VEASAN weekdays. Michael, you tweeted out about 10 minutes ago, and I want to bring this up here because you just gave your thanks to Tom Brady. The tweet just says, all I can say is thank you, thank you, thank you. Ultimately, what does Tom Brady mean to you, and what do you think his legacy will mean to the NFL? Well, I mean, he's one of the top players in the history of the game, without a doubt. His 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 career, his longevity of career. My my thanking him is for twofold: for being able to watch him and enjoy him as a fan, you know, as somebody who studied the game, and then being a teammate on us on the same team and winning two Super Bowls with him. To me, I don't know what else to say but thank you. And I do think that it was the perfect storm. You know, Mark, Malcolm Gladwell wrote in his book, Outliers, that had Bill Gates not grown up in Seattle, we might not have Microsoft because he had access to the computer lab at the University of Washington. You know, had Brady gone to Buffalo, would he have won? Sure. But I think the perfect storm of coming together with somebody who believed in culture, somebody who wanted to work hard, somebody who seeked improvement every single year, that combination was deadly. You know, there was a chance that Peyton Manning could have eventually gone to the Jets. 
And had he gone, you know, his numbers may not have looked as tremendous as they did as his career with the Indianapolis Colts. But I have a feeling he would have won more than one Super Bowl playing for Bill Parcells. I think the combination of these two gentlemen really made a difference, and I think we could see that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre have won two Super Bowls in 30 years in Green Bay. Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer have won two Super Bowls in Baltimore. I think the combinations are always important. Michael, I love the point you made about Bill Gates and the computer lab up at UW. And I think it's a great point with Brady and Belichick, how it fits in. I want to go back a little bit to scouting. I know you remember this game. I And listen, obviously he went to Michigan, so I probably never gave Brady as much credit as he deserved because how great he was. <laughs> but, Michael, that game against Alabama in the Orange Bowl, and when he dropped the sixth round, I never understood it. I thought him and David Terrell all year were simpatico. I thought this kid was unbelievable. I, I just didn't see it. They said arm strength. I said – I, look, nobody thought he was going to be what he was going to be, but I thought at least first three rounds, I thought he could really throw the ball. He had moxie. I, I just thought he had what we quantify as it. We don't necessarily know how to project out what it is, but he seemed to have it at Michigan. And uh, Amal, there's no doubt. And when you go back and study his career at Michigan, it's there. You know, the Citrus Bowl win, the the, the Orange Bowl win that you cite. I mean, it's remarkable, right? So, you know, it, it, it truly was there that oftentimes that pitcher, we ignore it. He isn't a good athlete. Well, how do you get drafted by the Montreal Expos in the 18th round if you're not a good athlete? You have to have eye-hand <laughs> coordination, right? you got to have a strong arm. I mean, they're not taking weak-arm guys, right? So I think he constantly was always stereotyped and overlooked. Well, he only had two scholarship offers, Michigan. When he went to Michigan, he was seventh on the depth chart. He worked his way up. I mean, he forced Lloyd Carr to play him. It wasn't a question of, of anything. And I think he's always done this through his career. And my hat's off to him. And I think the other thing, too, is when he first started, you know, he's the MVP of that Super Bowl in 2001. When he first started, you know, that game was a little back and forth. It was a more defensive game. I mean, Ty Law intercepts a pass for a touchdown. Willie McGinnis, uh, you know, they almost return a touchdown off a fumble, but Willie McGinnis gets called for holding. I mean, that was the defense and then the final drive of the game. With no timeouts, he brings them back down, and they kick that Adam Vinatieri field goal to win the game. I mean, it's just his moxie at the game and, and under – pressure situations that made a difference. And, you know, we've got to enjoy him for more years than I think any of us thought. When I went to New England in 14, I didn't think he was going to play much longer. And I was way wrong. Michael, to me, he's like Wayne Gretzky, right? The greatest in their individual sports. And nobody has anything negative to say about them. With Brady, you you might be a pay, uh, Colts fan, or a Chargers fan. You respect his play on the field, but nobody has disdain towards him. And I think that's something that really just tells you and speaks to his greatness on the field. But also, I, I was so impressed with some of the comments he's made throughout the year. Antonio Brown, some controversy. He's always handled it like a champ. Yeah, no doubt. He's a professional. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to get into a, any contest with anybody else. He can look at those seven Super Bowl trophies and they speak for himself. I mean, you know, can we just forgive the five-year waiting rule and put him in the Hall of Fame? I think that would be fair. But, you know, I mean, look, he is he is everything that you think. And, and he backs it up, Amal. He's the hardest working guy on any team that he's on. I mean, I promised you on the Thursday before the last game against the Rams, he was working on quarterback drops. With, with the trainer holding the ropes to get resistance so he can work on his lower body. I mean, he's Tom Brady. He's dropped 50 billion times, you know, in, in quarterback drops. And he's doing it all the time, all the time. He, he, like Kobe Bryant, like all great players who have talent, but they have greater passion to be the best is really what makes a difference. 
Michael, we appreciate you joining us here on such short notice, yeah. uh, giving your insight and reflecting on the career that was for Tom Brady, 22 seasons, seven Super Bowl championships, five Super Bowl MVPs, three NFL MVPs, and many, many Question wins for you guys between. before I go. Question before I yeah, – yep. Where? how long do you think before Bruce Arians hangs him up? <laughs> I set the over under at 110 days. We'll see. Molly, you want to go over? Or under? No, I'm going to go under. He's just waiting to confirm if the paperwork gets submitted to New York City. Once it does, he's on his way out. We're going to double check first. But Michael, thank you once again. Uh, you'll be back tomorrow thank morning you. with Patrick on the Lombardi line, and uh, have a good rest of the Saturday. Thank you. Thanks. Terrific insight. Excellent insight. And I want to leave you with this, Amal. Tom Brady against the spread because we are a betting show. This from John Ewing over at BetMGM. 211, 145-7, a 59% cover rate. 59% at minus 110. You're in a lot of money there. Tom Brady outperforming expectations all throughout his career. You're going to see a lot of those Super Bowls if you were betting on Brady. (laughs) Thank you to all of our guests. Ross Reynolds on the other side. It is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.